This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Just kidding. Sorry, that was <laughs> me. Me messing with our poor engineer. He's going, wait a minute, what's going on? We're trying to uh, get the show started here, and we had the the station was set up wrong. So anyway, uh, welcome to the True Well Show. Finally, I'm still choking. Sorry. All right. So this is your host, Dave Littlejohn, and Mm-mm. back in studio, still choking, <laughs> still choking. Katie shook. Sorry, I was laughing at you because I hear the like chugga 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 chugga. And I was thinking, we were listening to country music when we walked in, and we went, uh-oh, it's on the wrong station. <laughs> yeah, and there's one. So, all right, guess what? You could tune in. We're live on Facebook today. It's on my personal page if you want to check it out. So I am streaming it because I brought a computer. If the angle's funky, though, you're going to see, like, my profile. It'd be great. Ooh, silhouette. Yeah, silhouette I'm not sure profile. if it's good or not. But anyway, we are here. So um, if you've got questions, anything like that, feel free to fire them up online. I would say uh, we'd take your calls, but they don't do that here. We're going to fix that, believe it or not. <laughs> we have a strategy, strategery. Strategery. Right? But uh, anyway, that strategery is going to come later, so don't get ahead of ourselves. Katie, I have a question. Uh-oh. Okay. Only one? Just well, one. It's, this is going to be the intro into today's topic. Okay. What is your question, dear David? Well, my question... Oh, dear David. So dear David. here's the question. What do you think is one of the most common mistakes that everybody makes with their finances? What do I think is one of the most common mistakes that everybody makes with their finances? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say mental accounting. Okay. For two thousand, Bob. Um, it's I. I think I love that, it. It's vague enough that we could be like, I think she's onto something here, gang. <laughs> no mental. So I think mental accounting is one of the things that a lot of us do. Meaning we, you know, we we kind of know our account balances, and we think, oh, like I spent this much here and this much here, and I should have this much left. Mm-hmm. And we forget about the little debit card stops along the way, or you know, other things that we've scheduled for payments and all of a sudden your account has less money than you thought it did. I think that you're on to something there. Uh, He's not just saying that, folks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I, mental accounting. I think a lot of times, you know, we, we, we go, oh, yeah, we have, you know, X amount of dollars is discretionary income. And we start swiping away and we kind of lose track of some of the smaller transactions or forget about them because they're tiny. I think that you said two little magic words in that statement. Which were, there was a bunch of there was a there bunch was a in bunch there right, of gold in there. but Come there on. was it's true. There's a lot to mine. Okay, but this is the magic today, which is lost track. Yes, lost okay. track. Lost track. Very unintentional, and this is the thing. Right, I don't think anybody goes out there saying, you know what. I'm going to lose track today. I can't wait to make some mistakes <laughs> with my money. Let's just do this thing, right? No. That's not how it works. No, but we do a lot of these things, and I have this this kind of. It's a fun saying to me. It's maybe not really fun, but it's really accurate, which is what is right and what is normal are not the same thing. Right. You do right? say that. You say right? yeah, it's true. What is right and what is normal are not the same thing. Yeah. I always say what you can and what you should do are not the same. Yes. And can and should to me, it is a different statement, by the way. It is a you totally know, different can statement, and should but that's because, mine. Uh, 
right and normal is not like a can and a should. No. Okay. They're really not the same thing. No. Uh, what you can do versus what you should do, those are clearly behavioral. I mean, an, an example is like, well, you can jump in icy cold water and potentially die. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people will still do it. But Well, but, every once in a while we get interesting phone calls to our office um, and people go, can I do this? And I'm like, okay, so it, let, let's is... let's unpack this question a little bit more, right? Like, <laughs> she okay, can't so, resist it. You're yeah, like, legally, can I do this? And the answer is no. But the answer is, <laughs> well, we can't tell you no. It's your money. Well, <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, well, legally, that is not against the law to do. But but let's talk about the results of your. Yeah. Can, can I do this? That depends. Are you trying to be smart or an idiot? <laughs> Like, uh. Uh, why? What am I missing here? Uh, like, I'd me, like to be an idiot. Let me take you on an adventure and tell you about your results here. So it's, it's uh, yeah, what you can. And, and, and it has been a phrase that I've right. used recent, not recently, but like in the last few years, but ever since starting at Little John Financial Services. So there's definitely a difference between what you can and what you should do. But you're right. talking about something different. What's talking, right? What's and then right it's like and what, what is we do. normal? Okay. So mental shortcuts are actually normal for people to do, Absolutely. but they don't always lead you to the correct answer. Yeah. So here's, let me frame this in an example that will make sense. Uh, now, for many of you out there, this won't won't be applicable because you would never be in this circumstance. But play along for the sake We're of the you example. We're giving you a sample. Okay. Uh, you go to a casino. Okay. Uh, but it could also be you get a lottery ticket. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you make a gamble and you win. Woohoo! Yay me. Okay. So let's say that you just played whatever hand it was and you have now twice the money you started with. So you put half of that money in your pocket and then you take the other half and you do what? Go play with it. Wrong. Totally normal. Absolutely wrong. Because I already made my money back, so I'm even. And that's where the fallacy <laughs> begins, right? Everybody says to themselves... That's totally how I do Vegas. What are you talking about? Well, that's how everybody... Because cause what you've already done is you said, well, I want to play the game. Now I have what I will consider discretionary money that I didn't have before. So it's like playing with the house's money, right? right. We've heard that phrase before. Right. But the reality is absolutely incorrect that money belongs to you now you could walk away and have more than you started well i don't think of it that way exactly of course you don't but no. that's normal <laughs> right i think of it as if i stick the money that i originally started with in my pocket then i still walk away with the same amount of money that i started with so i'm even yeah. but i can continue to play with yeah. the money i won and then if i lose i'm okay because i'm still even this is what we call rationalization, right, everybody. But and if I win more again, during that time, then so. But what I also do is, as I continue to win, I stick more in my pocket, <laughs> so that I start walking away with my winnings and, and still and try if to you only lose play. everything. Do you stop? If I lose the discretionary stuff, then I stop. I don't take out of my pocket. Okay, so here's the reason this example is hard for people, <laughs> which is, is why because there's multiple things going on. There's a bunch of folks out there saying Katie's right, you know. <laughs> They are with you. Right. They're now. not saying I'm right. They're just going, yes, we understand. They're nodding their head. Yep, that's what I do. No. Uh -huh. Just remember, what is right and what is normal are not the same. <laughs> okay. okay. This is a definition in terms of whether or not it's the house's money. The attitude on it is that it's somehow discretionary and it has a different value than the other dollars in your wallet. It does not. 
right? That money has the same purchasing power as everything else. You made the comment right at the beginning right. that I said, what is the thing that many investors or uh, many people in general, common financial mistake? And you said, problems with mental accounting. Right. This is an example of a mental accounting technique that people use. But what it is, is it's giving yourself permission to let go of money. Now, I, we could say, was it budgeted and therefore allowed? Sure. sure. Right. You could say it's part of my entertainment budget. Right. And I had this much money set aside. I would be disciplined enough to not spend beyond that. And this is all accurate. Okay. So it is right. It doesn't make it normal now because that's about <laughs> what most people rationalize. But nevertheless, you get the idea is uh, I've got a budget. I stick to it. If I win, I can extend my time. Right. Right. Or if I run out of time and I have excess in my budget, it just means I keep it. Right. Okay. But what you've then done is you sort of made an emotional commitment early on to this money I have essentially earmarked for burning. (laughs) I don't know. It is entertainment. It's entertainment. That's what it's going to be for you. I know. I mean, I know we're talking about gambling, but but I, again, I'm talking about having a budget, having a certain amount. And viewing it as being entertained, no different than if I would have spent that money to go sit at a show for an hour. Correct. Right? I mean, I'm being entertained for an hour doing something that's fun. The illustration really isn't that your mental accounting is wrong. Right. It's that many people will say, well, once I've won, I'm playing with the house's money. No, oh no! I still no, I'm well not. aware it's my money. Yeah, if you're playing with the house's money, that would be that like is not me my saying, thinking at all. Hey, Katie, why don't you take a couple hundred bucks from me? Go gamble it and see how you do. <laughs> right now, you're playing with somebody else's money. Okay? That, that that has never happened, by yeah, the way. Ever. That <laughs> that is really unlikely to happen because I have such a ridiculous aversion to gambling. Uh, my, you know, my wife and I took a we took a, like a pleasure trip to Las Vegas to basically watch shows and you know we, we walked a ton like we saw all the There's lobbies so and pools see. and we went it's we went really crazy cool. i think we averaged 10 miles a day on foot yeah you said so, that it was a lot so I, our slow day was eight and a half miles but we uh so we got out there we saw a whole bunch and i didn't gamble a dime which Boo. drives some people nuts Boo. right <laughs> but then again I, I look and say so i'm a financial professional don't you hope that that's the level of discipline that I would employ? No, because that just me tells me that you're uptight about it. You didn't budget any money to go gamble a little bit. I did not on that trip. It it's wasn't just not, the purpose. You know, but it's not. It's not a form of entertainment that you enjoy. Well, that's not really true. Then why didn't you gamble in Vegas? Because of I was because it was time for my wife and I. We were we were playing together. Uh, I have gone where I had personal discretionary time, and I actually find it fun to go to uh, blackjack tables. Oh, I yeah. like to play blackjack. Blackjack's mine. Yeah. And if I could choose, and I, um, I don't like high dollar tables. I, that's not why I'm playing. Right. Uh, so you know, when you're playing twenty dollars a hand, I'm thinking this is stupid. This can go in a hurry. Oh yeah, that, that'll eat uh, up five hundred dollars or a thousand. So I'm like, quickly. you know what? I like to go, and one of my favorite things to do is play um, where it's small deck count. Mm-hmm. So I've played like two deck blackjack where they have different odds and there's different strategies to include the most fascinating one of all to me, which is the ability to surrender, where you can essentially quit and take half of your bet back and just abandon half of the, the hand right there. Right. There are times when I'm like, great, I'm laying a 16 and the dealer's sitting on a 20. 
this is a lost cause. Yeah, so we're just going to surrender. The I odds can are not surrender in my favor. half right now, and we're good. Yeah, because <laughs> I can play a little longer. Yeah, it, it, so that's a fascinating game because I'm really playing the statistics. And anybody that's ever talked to, to us about our investment process, I'm real big on the statistics. statistics, right? Statistics are one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you play the numbers. Okay, you, you don't, you, you, there's there's strategy, but the numbers are what the numbers are. Right. And so I am, I'm trying to create as many, you know, bring advantages back in. But anyway, we digress. So here we are talking about investment decisions. And this is one, there's many parents out there, and a lot of you are listening. Uh, look, here's the way the rest of the show is going to sort of go down. You may have your financial house in order and you may make great decisions and you may be highly disciplined and this show may be one of two things for you either dull or a big pat on the back yeah words of affirmation right and then there's going to be a lot of the rest of the world that is going to make a combination of errors that we're going to talk about you may do a lot of these things right but there's still a handful of things that you may slip up and go ah snap right um I want to talk about that. We're going to unpack some of this today. Common errors in the way people buy things. Okay. All right. Right? But uh, we got to grab our first break of the day. And so stick with us. We'll be right back. Right? Cue engineer. It's music. Go. I don't even hear the music. Is it on? Maybe my volume's on. No. I don't know. <laughs> We're At just some flying point, blind today. Uh, it's, it's all okay. kinds It'll of monkeyed work. up, but look, um, we will, I okay. guess, carry on. I don't know. Yeah, we got to figure this one out. Um, Fail. So on the <laughs> podcast, maybe we'll like clip it right there and say we took a break. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe. All right. So. Can you not hear anything? No, no, no. It's. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, we're going to come back. <laughs> We're having a few technical hiccups today. I was going to say, it's we'll Freaky sort it Friday, out. but it's Tuesday. So what is it? It's, it's, it's Tweaky Tuesday? I don't Who know. Knows? we got to come up with something um, fun. I know that we uh, were well-intended. We got a little bit of headphone goofiness. Thought we had it <laughs> worked out, but maybe not. Uh, it's just going to be that kind of day, folks. You just got to roll with it sometimes. Yep. Here. These might belong in the trash. I think so. <laughs> Okay, so away we go. This is what happens when you do shows live, right? You just got the best thing about it in a live show. You just gotta kind of roll with it. We're, we're gonna kind of make it go. So it's November. It's the first. You oh know, yeah, first. headphones are now live and uh, test test. Oh, they're working. Good stuff. <laughs> so I promised before the wacky break that here's what we're gonna do. Okay. Mistakes that people make. 
When buying stuff. When buying stuff. Okay. Awesome. Okay. This is really common stuff. And here's what happens. We have these strategic errors. Okay. Strate- They're strategic errors. I don't errors. know that I ever plan on making errors on purpose. Well, that's <laughs> they are subtle. Uh, the question is, and I get this a lot. So should we get a lot of financial folks out there that they give formulas? Okay, like Dave Ramsey, whom I am not knocking. Okay, Dave does a lot of great work for people, but um, what we've got is a formula that says if you've gotten behind the power curve financially, do follow these, these things. things. Right. Right. Because he's trying to address behavior. Yeah. Do these. Do not deviate. Right. And okay. so he's got this formula, and here's the th- the reality: the formula, it works. Yeah. Okay. But it's not the only path. And sometimes it's not the most efficient path. No, it's, it's, the, a, it's a psychological path. It it's, is it's, very psycho- much, it's psychological warfare against your wallet. Yeah, it, well, and it's also retraining yourself because, look, if you can't trust yourself, right? Who are you going to trust? This is like, hey, if, I, if there's candy in the house, I'll I, eat it. my diet will fail. <laughs> right? That's okay. Then don't keep candy in your house. You right. Know? Um, this is sort of, you know, all right, if you really are craving a cigarette, just they're unavailable. It's easier to quit smoking when you can't get to cigarettes. Okay. True. At least I've been told I've never been a smoker. So, uh, you know, I'm making a totally outlandish and, you know, non-personal comment. All the smokers are going to show up at our desk tomorrow. They'll be like, what do you know about quitting? It's like, I just assumed my bad. Uh, But (laughs) I can tell you financial mistakes I've made and then financial mistakes that more fortunately most of the time I have avoided i've avoided but i've watched other people do it okay we were talking about buying stuff buying stuff okay so first and foremost credit cards good bad evil what do you think piece of plastic piece of plastic right i have never met a credit card that has emotions you can get ones with emojis on them but that doesn't mean that they are an emotional thing right credit cards to me are a lot like weapons okay? okay uh operator error creates harm okay okay otherwise inert object credit card will sit in your wallet Doing nothing. Uh, it does nothing. Maybe there's an annual fee. Maybe not. But, you know, it just kind of sits there yep. until you decide to use it. Where most people get in trouble is the psychological disconnect between your money and you. Right. Right? Because a credit card, it's somebody else's money. It is. But it's not. It's totally your money. You're responsible for it. But study after study after study has shown people will spend more. On a using- credit card than yep. on cash. Right. And this, and so is there a discernible difference between credit card and debit card? No. Not discernible, no. actually. Other than the fact that at some point you will run out of money in your checking account and your debit card won't work anymore. Yeah, yeah the, the, the debit card stops sooner. But credit card, same way, right? You can max it out and then the credit card stops too. So both of them have a max point. Right. The difference is the credit card, way more painful when you max it out. Yeah. Because unlike your debit card credit card is going to keep charging you until it gets paid off until it gets paid off yeah and it's accruing daily okay so here's the probably the most common error that i see is that people buy things now i'm gonna let you point this one out because you pointed out at the office earlier as we did a little show prep here and said what do you think is the number one thing that most people do that most people finance well it was around financing in general how do people determine whether or not they can buy something they ask how much the payment is. Right. So that is that is an emotional thing, right? It's not how much does the object cost. It's whether or not I can afford the payment. 
Yes. So we've already, again, mental accounting kind of said, I can afford about this much a month for whatever the object is. The one that I brought up to David, um, which is has been so fascinating for me to watch over the last, let's say, 10 years, is uh, the cell phone industry. Yeah. So you went straight for the weird one. All right. Well, because well, we can talk about car payments. Okay, let's talk about car payments then. Because car payments is another one that people say, can I afford it? Even car payments, right? Originally, it was a four-year loan. Then it was a five-year loan. Now it's a six-year loan. Or no, like now seven, eight-year eight loan. loan yeah. Right? Like eight years. And so what, what they're doing is cars are becoming more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. And so in order to keep the payments down, they're trying to they're stretch it out over time. more time. But at some point, like, I mean, an eight-year-old car. So here's the question. The value for what you're still paying. Should you finance a vehicle? It's really hard for certain economic statuses to not. If Well, that's not true. Okay. Should you finance a vehicle? I did. <laughs> All right. So I did. I'm going to confess. I did. Yeah, this is not a pick on Katie thing. Mm. I have a financed vehicle. I don't feel Right. Okay. And people will say, wait a second, you're a financial guy and you financed the vehicle? I said, yes. I was able to get 2.9% interest and I'm able to arbitrage that because I actually am investing in a higher rate of return than that. And I got gap insurance on my vehicle when I did it. Now, explain gap insurance because okay, so some people don't know what that is. Gap insurance is the only way that I would consider this a viable option because in the event that my vehicle drops in value, which it is highly likely to do. Right, because most vehicles are depreciating assets. Most of the time, your vehicle's value is like a boat that is sinking. And the more you drive it, the The faster it it sinks. sinks. Yeah. Okay? So a depreciating asset, what you can do is... So if here's the scenario. If I was driving that vehicle and I get in an accident and the vehicle is totaled. Right. And the insurance company gives me the value of the vehicle in a payoff and says, okay, we're done here. This is what the vehicle is worth. Here's your money. Go get a new vehicle to replace it. We're not going to fix this one. Okay. That's what totaling is in essence. So they right. give you the total value of the vehicle. I Let's just use fictional numbers. I buy a vehicle for $30,000. I have $20,000 left of payments and the vehicle is worth $15,000 and that gets totaled. How much does the insurance company give me? Fifteen. Fifteen thousand. How much does the bank want from me? Five thousand more than the insurance gave right. you because I they still want owe the loan five thousand dollars, even though I have no vehicle. Which for a lot of people is difficult to do because then you still have to have money to go buy another vehicle, which you're now starting from scratch because you're down a vehicle. Right. So now there's more to this equation too because what if you have a vehicle that's out of warranty? You're making payments and then you have to pay to fix it too. Costs even more. Right. But in the scenario of the vehicle being totaled, gap insurance will pay for the difference between what the vehicle is worth and what and you owe. What you owe. So it covers the gap between the insurance and the bank loan. Right. Okay. It is a diminishing value for insurance, but it's usually pennies on the dollar. Right. So as an example, uh, you know, maybe I paid an extra four dollars a month on my vehicle payment of three hundred dollars. So we're talking about less than two percent difference in price for the gap insurance for the gap insurance. All right. That makes sense. So very low cost to do. (coughs) And sorry, I just got a funny Facebook comment. (laughs) That's great. 
Thank you, Bill. Uh, anyway. Well, you got to share the comment. Well, it's not going to is, is Duke basketball a depreciating asset? Definitely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. But Moving on. Back to the car example. So if our – in this example, the reason that I did it is because I had better use for the assets than putting it into a vehicle that I knew was going to depreciate in value. Right. Okay. Better use and, for the money. The and cash. I and I also planned to own the vehicle long term. So I was willing to take on that temporary risk with gap insurance to cover the risk of the vehicle being totaled. Right. And knowing the condition of the vehicle and uh what we were gonna do service wise and what our probable costs were to maintain it. Right. And that was a tactical financial decision. Okay? Okay. If for for most people I don't think they do that. And here's what most people do. They buy more vehicle than they could afford. Because here's the other thing. I could have written a check at any point and paid that vehicle off. Right. Okay. And so that was one of the rules, too, is that this vehicle was not going to own me. It wasn't going to get me into a financial hardship. Because if, for some reason, my income were to stop and I couldn't make payments, I said, well, look, I'll just write a check and this vehicle will be done. And I actually had a sinking account linked to the vehicle that was earmarked to say at any point I could pay this thing off. Right. Okay. So that was a very different strategy than what most people use, which is I want as much vehicle as I can afford, so can I make the payments? And all of the other decision criteria sort of get ignored. Okay. Right? Now, where does this leave somebody? That's a good question. Danger zone. Because how many things could go wrong? Let's say you buy a vehicle. Let's say it's a brand new vehicle, so it has a warranty. Good. Okay, so that, there's one thing you could take off the table is, will the vehicle be reliable? Should be. It's brand new. Should be, plus it should be warrantied. So for a period of time, you're not going to be worried about something failing on it. Right. Because you should have all of that sort of covered for the first few years. True. Uh, will you lose value? Yes. Definitely. Right? I can't come up with a vehicle right now that's appreciating My favorite value. expression, the minute you drive off the lot, it's a used car. Yes. Everybody drives everybody a used drives car. Everybody drives a used car. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. no, I have a brand new. Nope. Nope, it's, it's now used. a used car. So, okay, and unless you're buying something like maybe a classic vehicle, and I'm talking about, you know, you get into some of these muscle cars and rare things that are yeah, still appreciating. Which, you know, 99% of the population again, is not doing. Again, those things are tricky, and they're also really expensive now. So for most of those things, it's not daily driver stuff. They're secondary, kind of you drive it for fun on occasion. Right. But we're getting off the scent of this thing. The The, the trick is... That for most people, they'll spend too much, and then if something happens where they have an interruption in their income, now all of a sudden that asset is at risk. Right. Okay. So that's kind of the key here is are you how are you managing the risk of your purchase? Right. And are you really considering you know what you can what you can actually afford, right. or is it an emotional purchase? So there's more. The vehicle is a common one, right now. You brought up the cell phone thing. We're yeah, going to talk, so, talk about that. So we will, but I want to talk about one other thing before we do the cell phone discussion. Okay. Um, and a couple of rules, right? So you're, everybody's got to roll in their eyes. Again, those of you that have your financial game sort of bringing your A game already, great. Pat yourself on the back. For a lot of you out there, or if you've got kids or you're trying to figure out a lesson, I've got a couple of takeaways here for you. But now we're going to try it again. Break time. So we'll do it. They play the music, and then we go to commercial. Or not.
This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right. Technical challenges officially remedied. We are super stoked to now be back to uh, full strength here at the True Wealth Show. Your host, Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And if you want to hear one heck of a podcast, <laughs> let me tell you, it's going to be like a, wow, okay. Uh, behind the scenes has been really something today, but uh, I'm excited that you guys are here. We are talking today about common errors that people make in buying decisions. Well, we, so we opened up with mental shortcuts. Right. right. We were talking about mental, mental, accounting. Sh- mental accounting, mental shortcuts that we take in our finances. And then we talked about whether or not to finance something. Yeah. And so really, let's kind of lay it out like really big picture. So do you just pay cash for something? Do you use a credit card? Do you use a debit card? Should you finance through an organization? Uh, and, you know, there's there probably a D, others all in the there. above. <laughs> Well, is it some kind of combination? Because that can happen, right? Hey, I'll put a down payment and I'll finance part of it. Uh, And the answer is it's very circumstantial in nature. But you do need to know some of the things that happen right out of the gate. Okay. Okay. One is the same reason that casinos use chips instead of money. Because you're less emotionally tied to it. Yeah. It becomes a a gadget instead of money, right? So you actually emotionally separate from it. We know that folks spend more using debit and credit cards than they do when they pay cash. Right. Okay. Uh, it's also much easier to budget with cash because it turns out uh, the difference between Congress and drunken sailors, <laughs> right? Congress. One of them has yeah, unlimited spending. Yeah, well, when when drunken <laughs> sailors run out of money, they stop, right? So, but Congress, hey, we just keep going. Uh, so true. that's the that's the fun. And guess what? I'm not even picking sides of the aisle. Everybody does it now, right? Like it's true. It's not like oh yeah, well my party is nobody has clean sheets no. on this one. They're all spending too much. Uh, so when we think about credit cards and debit cards, one primary difference that everybody should know, which one do you think is my favorite answer might surprise you? Well, I would say debit card, but I don't think that's the answer that you're going to pick. It is not. I prefer credit cards because of the amount of security backed behind it. Consumer protection. There you go. Right. Uh, the consumer protection with credit cards. Remember that credit cards are supposed to validate your identity. They're supposed to check your ID and make sure that you are who you are. If a company has a fraudulent charge, it's actually their problem and the credit card company's problem if you report it. So what I'm a fan of is good credit reporting tools and credit monitoring tools. Right. Right. So when you use a credit card, you're Exposure is very limited. If your debit card is compromised, if somebody somehow gets a hold of your PIN number and then drains your bank account, guess what? It's a lot harder to be made whole quicker. Yeah, and well, it may be on you. If they compromise your PIN number and somehow get a hold of your card, yeah, trying to prove that it's fraudulent is tough luck, right? I mean, they just drain your bank account and that be that. So the credit protection is actually stronger than debit card protection. It's pretty impressive. I mean, I went to Disneyland uh, last weekend and um, used my card to buy tickets, Mm -hmm. right? Like right at the gate. And I immediately got a text and a call that said, we just want to make sure this is you. And can you please check this charge and verify that this is you? Otherwise, we are going to shut this down. And I was like, no, no, no. It's me. It's me. Exactly. (laughs) I need to eat at Disneyland. Don't do that to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here on purpose. I'm here. I promise. Yeah, it's like, I realize it's expensive, but I I saw it coming. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. It's okay. Really, it's okay. I did spend $12 on a cheeseburger. I promise. Yes. (laughs) Although the fun thing would be, uh, I've occasionally gotten notification that where it says, you know, you just made a charge 
and I'm traveling, let's say, hey, you just made a charge when you're up in Seattle. And we also saw that there was a charge in Georgia. Yeah, and you're like, mm. you're like I'm not in Georgia, just so we're clear. Yeah. Okay, we're going to stop that one then. Great, thank you very much. But I would say the one mistake I made as a traveler, which I usually am pretty proactive about it, is I usually call the company ahead of time to let them know when I'm going to be traveling and where I'm going to be going. Right. Um, because that also helps prevent you temporarily getting your card shut down on accident somewhere. Now, yeah. I obviously, had my card be- shut down on my honeymoon in Mexico. <laughs> point taken now it's you know it's one thing when me going to california right i'm still in the u.s cell phones are still normal everything's fine but it's harder when you're traveling internationally because then you're dealing with you know out of area and whether or not your phone yeah just it's a lot of headaches so exactly so we would say if you are using your credit card and you're traveling please call them ahead of time let them know where you're going to be going and the dates you're going to be traveling because they will still flag the activity differently and monitor it more closely Right. So anyway, I, I still I like the consumer protection better on credit cards and debit cards. But when it comes to purchasing, okay, when do you get a blessing for credit or debit cards? When do you get a blessing? First, pretend it's cash. Like, if you know something, right, it's kind of like, well, I know that the chocolate is going to be bad for me when it comes diet time. Then don't eat it. <laughs> okay, if you know and you still do it, okay, then you're just okay. The temptation is too strong. So what? You can't what have would it. be the bonus or what would be the benefit of using a credit card if you know you already had the cash for it? Well, see, credit card if you pay it off okay. every month, mm-hmm. you don't pay any charges for it. Any but interest? You get, mm-hmm. So you and you don't pay interest on it. You can just pay it off, and you can then get the benefit of consumer protection and. Honestly, cash can be kind of clumsy to carry around, and it's a higher risk from theft. So from a security standpoint, while cash is great because it's you know, totally fungible, it's a problem in that you know, you, I've had people have lost money. Right? Like, I That's actually true. dropped money and lost it. Now what? Was that your $20 bill my kid picked up in the parking lot? Because let uh, me tell you, that made Melissa's day. It probably <laughs> was. That little kidding. twerp. Now, I know. Uh, so. <laughs> We're totally joking. She actually did find a $20 bill. I mean, my other kid was so jealous, but right. she like she was bragging for a while that she found a twenty dollar bill in a yep. parking lot, and there was no one around. I mean, I didn't even know who to kind of say, "Hey, did you drop your money?" Like it was, exactly. That was it. She just found it. Yep. So anyhow, that's one of those things where you can drop it and lose it. Okay. Okay. You could lose a credit card, but that's a lot easier to sort of nip if it's a problem. Now right? we were talking about payments and stuff earlier, and we mentioned cell phones. Yep. Are we going to get to that today? We are. We're about to. Uh, so here's kind of the final thoughts on how you're buying things. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, should you finance something or pay for it with a credit card? And my answer is very simply, with the exception of a vehicle that you should get kind of the minimum required when you are having to finance. And, and why? All right. The idea is you don't finance liabilities. Okay. Okay. So a depreciating asset is typically a liability. So if you think about uh, buying your stereo, okay, not really an asset, not going to increase in value. It's a want. It's not a need. It's totally a luxury item. And so if you go out and finance a stereo, then what you've now done is obligated yourself to that purchase. And here's the problem. Anything happens between now and later when that thing is getting paid off, you have taken on additional risk in that purchase. Right. If you just save up and buy it all at once, then the risk 
it's know, gone. Your risk like is that you don't you have to save longer because something comes up in between. But at least you didn't squander the resource and then not have it to pay for something else in an say emergency situation, right? Okay. So you save up and then you buy, and it's really a risk management feature. It's not because it makes the stereo cheaper or whatever. I mean, it may, but you know, zero interest is that a good deal? It's not really a good deal, even though financially it sounds like the same money because what you're doing is you just bought a risk. True. Right? So that's the the issue is buying a liability or buying a risk over time exposes you to a longer period of risk. So that's bad news. And by the way, nothing sucks more than still making payments on something you don't have any longer. Yes. So what about uh, a car? Here's where I'm going to say cars in... If you're in a place where there's public transit and really it's really easy to get where you go, cars become luxury items like our stereo. When you're in a rural area where there's not a lot of public transit and your car is how you get to work so that you can earn an income and make a living and so forth, a now you're, bit more of a you're, necessity. you're into what I call a use asset. Okay, It's depreciating, but it is an asset because it, it gets you over the hurdle and makes you more productive and earning better. Right. So there you want to invest as little as you can into the reliability that you need. Interesting. Okay. Now, once you get to a point where you have the financial means to kind of just do it, like remember when I said I financed a car, I could have written a check to be done with it. But okay? you found a better use for your cash. But I found a better use for the cash and always could have reclaimed that cash and wrote the check. Right. right? It's not like I tied it up somewhere else. This was all about risk management. Right. Okay? So now the cell phone thing. What do you do about the cell phone thing? I want to hear your thoughts on it. Of course you do, but we have to wait for our last break. So... There we go. We've got all of our technical stuff worked <laughs> out. So time. we got it here. We will be taking our last break. When we come back, what about this cell phone thing? And, you know, it's such a weird purchase. But we're going to unpack it when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 40 KQEN. All right, gang. So, final stretch of the True Well show today. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn, in studio with me. Katie Shook. I was going to say, we'll get it right at some point today. Hey, we totally nailed this last segment. And here's the <laughs> thing um, the podcast will be fun, but you can check it out. Uh, go to littlejohnfs.com and we'll get that posted here tomorrow. It'll be on 541radio.com as well. And this is available through iTunes and all those other fun places. So, you can get it and you can witness the chaos that has been this show. Today's been all about. Uh, Errors that people make when buying things. Okay. Right? Yeah. And uh, we've talked about mental how accounting, you, mental you, shortcuts. We, yeah. When when you stop thinking of something as cash, you tend to spend more. That's the problem with credit and debit cards. Also, financing things makes it cost more. And worse than that is you're extending the period of risk of something happening while you are making payments. Right? right. So it's not just can I afford it. Maybe the answer is yes, I can afford it, but when doing that, I take on all this additional risk. So this is, hey, you that have your job and, you know, I can't help but think about, I, I see like these really fancy, like $75,000 pickup trucks 
that are, are driving to work and I'm going, okie doke, but you know, what happens if you have a slowdown in the economy? That seven hundred and something dollar payment. Seven hundred. I talked to somebody the other day that had over a thousand dollars a thousand dollar payment. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, because if you follow the rules on this one, you better be personally bringing home you probably need to be making about eighty five grand or more. And you're still blowing almost all your discretionary income on that. On a car payment. Yeah, you you cannot. Oh. I'll make you a simple rule right now. You want to buy a car that costs more than your annual income? No. Okay, just end of discussion, no. Right. You can't afford it. I don't care how you can structure the payments to do it, no. <laughs> okay, I'm just like, there's financial planning for Daddy you. Daddy David no. is saying no. Okay, just no. No soup for you. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're not going to play that game. Instead, we're going to talk about... This last one. Now, we've talked about assets, right? It's okay. I will give you permission within reason to finance assets. This is why a home mortgage is not something typically frowned upon. It should appreciate in value and it should store value. And you need a place to live anyway. So you may as well make the money work for you. Right. Okay. Uh, you need to take care of the asset. If you destroy it, then it becomes a liability, doesn't it? And can so, potentially become less valuable. Yeah. So you don't want to destroy something, then no. you're not buying an asset. Right. Um, Financing liabilities, that's a no-no. So some of the things these days have made it easier to finance and harder to buy outright. Right. So here's the question. Cell phone. Right. So I brought this one up to David Asset earlier. or liability? Yes. Ah, that's uh, that's you know, my answer. Yes, it's both. That was a big sigh. It's both because it's, you know, if you use it to conduct business, if you use it to communicate with clients. Um, Primary communication device for most people these days. Right. Or for many people anyway. And, and that is a growing trend. Uh, access to internet, all kinds of other tools and resources. Uh, when is it a liability? When I sit on Facebook for two hours and do nothing yeah, with my time. It sucks your time <laughs> and your life away. It uh, interferes with real human relationships and authentic relationships. And it also keeps you from doing things that are productive and that uh, will be contributing, right? It's just a, an easy way for it to become a time suck and a predator. Well, they've also they've also done a lot of uh, research on just the neurological impacts of having oh, yeah. constant screen time. I mean, they've done a ton of it in teenagers and basically said the the more the kid is on a cell phone, the more depressed they are in general as a teenager. I feel like I could personally vouch for this one that uh, a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I stripped Facebook off of my phone. The notifications were driving me bananas. And True. I really struggle when, uh, let's be honest, there are a bunch of you on Facebook that are stupid. Okay? <laughs> Not our listeners, but there's Not a bunch listeners. of people that are stupid. And you yeah. can tell because you're like, let me make my argument about blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, all right, you know, this black and white land of there's no nuance to anything and I'm right and you're wrong it just drives me bananas, right? The part that cracks me up a little bit is the technological screaming out loud, right? Like, you're not standing in your front yard going, I believe this about the politics. Why? But you're, in essence, doing the same yeah. thing on Facebook. You're standing in your front yard, like, yelling out loud to the Twitter well, scene or whatever. Well, the crazy thing is people now are starting to do that. Oh, so that's the issue is that it's, it's gone to that point. I'm unplugged from it. But I will tell you, it was a huge improvement to my sanity to just check out of that and go back to, like, I love babies and kittens, right? That's what it's for. that is the top lent give up now like before it was always chocolate or like something 
rich. And I wonder now if it's electronics. Like, I'm going to give up my electronics for Lent and see how I do for her. I think you give it a shot, right? Because I'm telling you that I think that your life ends up being better if you can do that. I will tell you, based on my personal experience with a handful of teenagers, when they were on restriction from their cell phones, their personal lives were actually happier. Yeah. Plus, you can't access the drama 24-7, so you can escape it, right? Hello. Whatever happened in the days of, you know, go ride your bike in the backyard. Of course, there's a whole, we bubble wrap everything now, but I digress. <laughs> okay, so, so cell phone payments, but I was telling you about cell phone payments. Like, you go in to get a new cell phone these days, they almost won't let you buy it outright. Yeah. I, think I mean, that's like buried so far down the ladder that like if you mention that you want to buy it outright, they're like, well, you can, but you shouldn't end this and this. And I mean, I don't know if they're paid on commission or what the deal is, but- there's, I mean, so you don't have a cell phone contract anymore for your service. You have a contract for the payment of the phone. Let's call it what it is. Most cell phone programs today are hostage agreements. Oh, they so are. Okay. They so are. So the hostage agreement is you need this device. Okay. Maybe you can get a cheaper device, but oftentimes it's not even cost effective because in many cases... By getting a plan that has the phone financed at theoretically 0%, and from all the numbers I've looked at, it really is 0%. Right. You know, I mean, it's to cost you no more to buy it than it does to, to spread the payments out. Uh, you're going to have a monthly bill because it's a subscription bill for an ongoing service. But if you don't finance the phone, then the monthly bill is higher almost to the point that it's cheaper to have the plan with the financing than without because they give you rebates and discounts right. for or the having phone the payment becomes plan cheaper for 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 and but what are they doing effectively it's the hostage agreement right, right. you They're can't you go into a for a period plan. of time so that's the trick um, freedom of course would be the day that your phone is paid for now you can take other carriers that have different deals and some of them may be pretty decent uh, invariably this is way behind the scenes but all I can tell you is they're not created equal if you're on Verizon's network with straight talk Verizon gets priority over straight talk right if they're assigning priority on the towers so you may have to get in line so it could affect your actual quality of service not based on the network coverage but based on how many people are hitting it at that particular time and whether or not you need to be one of them yeah we talk about bandwidth all the time um, towers have them too yeah so bandwidth is a real deal but the the, the, the weird thing about it is you just kind of got to know what you're getting into certain things things really do have recurring costs and those are not things that you're not financing them per se you're financing a device to use with the service that you that you're going to need so now there are services you don't have to get uh, cable is one of these i just roll my eyes all day long you don't have to have cable you don't have to have unlimited data like i don't have unlimited data it's i'm everywhere i go there's wi-fi like i don't need to pay for unlimited data it doesn't suit me so those are things that you can certainly make adjustments to, but uh, that is a, I think of it more like a utility now. But it's, and so, I know, will tell your you, your power bill, your your gas bill, your, I mean, everybody kind of stuff. in general that's an adult has a cell phone of some sort. But I will tell you, teaching Financial Peace University, the number one thing I look at is their cell phone bill because a lot of people are paying for a lot of extras that they don't use and don't need. True story. And most people are able to cut their bill by tens of dollars. Exactly. Tens of dollars. Well, it's well, not hundreds of dollars because usually it, well, your bill is about 100 of, bucks. But over I mean, the course of a year, it totally adds up. Oh, yeah. Up but I mean, you said so. 23 bucks a month. That's up. Go. 
Well, look, we're out of time for today. Uh, nevertheless, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thank you for hanging on through some of the technical difficulties. Uh, as always, if you would like personal financial help, don't hesitate to give us a call at 541-375-0898. I'll be answering the phone. All right. And that is Little John Financial Services. Uh, until next time, check out the website at littlejohnfs.com. This has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.